Friends, our lives should be an image of the love of Christ for those in the church and for those in the world. Whenever we're interacting with others, we should always filter it through the grid of living out the justice of God, speaking and acting with love, grace, mercy, and kindness as we walk with our Father through this life. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. We'll join our host and teacher, Chris Katolka, in a moment. Our ministry produces a bi-monthly magazine called Israel My Glory, and today we'll be looking in-depth at our current issue, which is dedicated to the Old Testament book of Micah. Today we explore what we can learn from the prophet. Our guest is academic dean and professor at Word of Life Bible Institute, Dr. Tom Davis. We'll speak to him about the article he contributed to the current issue of Israel My Glory. It's entitled, Hear, O Israel. Before that, Chris shares his insights into the themes of Micah, where Israel learns a valuable lesson about God's perspective on greed, power, and corruption. We'll learn how we can apply these truths by walking in the Spirit, which results in a joy-filled life. Now, let's join Chris. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the program today. Uh, So today on the show, we're going to be looking in-depth at our award-winning Christian magazine, Israel My Glory. So be sure to stay tuned on how you can receive a one-year free trial subscription to Israel My Glory. And this particular issue that we're going to be focusing in on today is an issue that looks at the book of Micah. You know, Micah's name is fitting for the Old Testament book that he writes because his name means who is like the Lord. Now, it's a rhetorical question, a question that has an assumed answer. Who is like the Lord? And the answer that we're all expecting to hear is no one. No one is like the Lord. No one is like him because as the prophet Micah closes his prophecy in Micah seven eighteen, he says, Who is a God like you, who pardons iniquity and passes over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. God is so unique and special because he doesn't desire to stay angry at his people despite their rebellious heart. Instead, he delights in steadfast love and in mercy. A great reminder for us today that in God's holiness and majesty, he still reaches down to embrace us in our sin. In our rebellion against him and all of our wickedness, he doesn't turn his back. Instead, he breaks through our sinful world in order to draw us back to him. And folks, this was Israel's problem in the book of Micah. The Israelites walked away from the word of God. They forgot the law of God that was supposed to be a light to their feet on a dark path. They left behind the Torah, the law of God, that explained what a true heart of worship and devotion to God looked like and how to treat and respect and embrace one another as Israelites. They became greedy as certain wealthy Israelites were confiscating fields, as Micah chapter 2 says, seizing houses, defrauding their fellow citizens, and depriving people of land that was rightfully theirs. The politicians of Israel and Judah in Micah chapter 3 became power-hungry, forgetting the needs of their people, abusing them, and 
Even the prophets in Micah chapter 3, the prophets of Israel, were leading the people astray spiritually. They embraced ritualism in their worship, forgetting the devotion and love God desires over sacrifice, ritual sacrifice. This desire for power, greed, corruption, and fraud that these Israelites displayed against their own people is absolutely contrary to the law of God. The law, the law of God that's found in the Torah takes care of everyone and leaves nobody behind. In fact, the law of God does more to look after those who can't help themselves. And the Israelites that Micah is speaking to are those who are abusing those who can't help themselves, those who are most in need. And here's the issue for us today. We still deal with issues of power, wealth, corruption, fraud. It happens not only in the secular world. Folks, it happens in the church, too. All of us have the capacity to abuse those who cannot help themselves. We all have the capacity to allow power to corrupt us or cheat the system to get ahead. And the book of Micah is a fresh reminder on where the heart of God is for his people and how our hearts should be attuned to his and how we should be focusing on his word. God's judgment in the book of Micah is directed to those who abuse the people who cannot help themselves. And the Lord announces that he will be the one to rescue his people. First, he's going to rescue them from their wicked ways through judgment. And second, he's going to rescue them by taking care of those Israelites who were taken advantage of. Listen to what the Lord says in Micah 4, 6 through 7. In that day, says the Lord, I will gather the lame and I will assemble the outcasts whom I injured. I will transform the lame into the nucleus of a nation, a new nation, and those far off into a mighty nation. The Lord will reign over them on Mount Zion from that day forward and forevermore. You can see the heart of God for his people, especially those who have been abused. He wants to raise them up and give them a new hope. And who is the one who's going to bring this restoration for his people who have been so badly mistreated? And who's going to restore the nation so that it doesn't fall away from God's word again? Micah tells us the promised one who will do all of these things is the one who will be born in Bethlehem, according to Micah 5.2. He's the one who will return Israel and Jerusalem to its place of prominence in the world. And we all know who this one is that was born in Bethlehem. His name is Jesus. God also tells his people to put aside their greed, lust for power and corruption, and do what is good according to the word of the Lord. Listen to what Micah 6.8 says. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. We all need the reminder that the Lord, even today, does not take pleasure when his people abuse others or step on others to get to the top. The Lord desires for us to do justice when we see others who need help, to love grace and mercy and kindness over greed, corruption, and power, and to walk humbly with God in reverence of who he is. Because, folks, there is no one like him, as we just said as we looked at the name of Micah. Friends, our lives should be an image of the love of Christ for those in the church 
and for those in the world. Whenever we're interacting with others, we should always filter it through the grid of living out the justice of God, speaking and acting with love, grace, mercy, and kindness as we walk with our Father through this life. Listen to this. The Apostle James reminds us in James 1.27 that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Do you hear what James is saying? Help those who cannot help themselves, the widows and orphans, and keep yourself from the lusts of the world. When we take the chains of greed and power and corruption off by the Spirit of God and we free ourselves to be people who see others as God sees others, then folks, there's an unexplainable joy that will well up within us when we live out the character of our Lord who delights in steadfast love and compassion, as Micah chapter 7 says. Now, when we return, we're going to be speaking with Tom Davis, who wrote a few articles in our recent issue of Israel, My Glory. He's the academic dean of the Word of Life Bible Institute, and he'll be on the phone with us as we look more in detail at our recent issue of Israel, My Glory, so be sure to stick around. If you're familiar with our ministry, you know that we emphasize the need for solid biblical teaching and accurate analysis on the news of the day. One of the best resources for great biblical teaching that I know is the Friends of Israel's magazine, Israel My Glory. Chris, some may not realize that Israel My Glory has been around since 1942 and has well over 150,000 subscribers. Yeah, I'll tell you, I travel the country speaking in churches, churches in big cities and small rural towns. And no matter where I go, I always meet people who read our magazine and trust it as a resource for Middle East news and great biblical teaching. To order your free one-year trial subscription to Israel My Glory magazine, visit foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Everyone, welcome back to the program. I'm delighted to have Tom Davis, who's academic dean of Word of Life Bible Institute, on the line to speak about his article, uh, his recent article that he wrote for Israel My Glory on the book of Micah. Uh, Tom, great to have you on the program, sir. Thanks, Chris. Good to be with you. I often get asked the question in the line of work that I'm in is, where are all the young adults? Are, do young adults care about the Scripture? Are young adults focused on ministry? And, you know, I get a chance to teach Leviticus at the Scroon Lake campus up in Upper New York, and I'm going to tell you, young adults are on fire for the Lord and are anxious to serve Him. Can you speak to that for a moment, Tom, before we look at uh, your, your article here? Yes, uh, we're very happy with the students that God sends us every year. Uh, we expect about 475 up here in New York and about uh, 115 down in Florida. We also have uh, teaching sites in different countries around the world that are under our accreditation. So, uh, you know, the numbers begin to add up, and uh, even in the other cultures, uh, you see that same hunger for the Word of God, particularly with all the uh, nasty things happening in the world. It's great to see them looking for something real in a world of make-believe. 
It's true. Raising up a new generation of ministers for the gospel that'll be serving all around the world is what Word of Life is doing. So you'll definitely want to be sure to look up Word of Life online. Uh, so if you have a young adult that's interested in ministry or studying the Bible for just, a, you know, before they go off to college, a one-year Bible Institute or two-year Bible Institute, be sure to check out Word of Life Bible Institute. Tom, you wrote a great article here on Micah, and you really provided an overview in Israel, My Glory. Before we started looking at kind of the nuts and bolts of Micah, you provided a great overview, and the title of your article was Hear, O Israel. Could you tell us why you titled uh, the overview of Micah here, Hear, O Israel? Well, as I was taking a look at the uh, book, and I'm sure I saw this in a commentary, I doubt that I came up with this on my own, uh, but just that they noticed in uh, chapter 1 and verse 2, uh, chapter 3 and verse 1, chapter 6 and verse 1, uh, the word Shema occurs, uh, hero Israel, and it's like a uh, rhetorical challenge to introduce that section. So the book breaks down very nicely into those three sections, uh, chapters 1 and 2, judgment coming for Samaria and Jerusalem, uh, chapters 3 to 5, judgment on leaders and blessings from the ultimate leader, Messiah, and then chapters 6 and 7, the third Shema, uh, judgment justified and blessings predicted. And can you explain a little bit for our listeners about the Shema from, from Deuteronomy? Can you talk a little bit about kind of that bridge that's being built there? Sure. Um, when you think in terms of uh, Judaism over the centuries, and I think this is certainly true today, uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 would be like the John 3.16 of Christianity. Great way to put it. Uh, in the sense that it encapsulates uh, what a Jewish person believes. Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and uh, the Hebrew word uh, here is Shema, so that starts out that challenge. And uh, Jewish people uh, say that uh, frequently with their prayers, uh, understand that they would uh, love to have that as the very last thing they say before they die, just to uh, state that um, idea of ethical monotheism. Mm. You know, and the, the, the beauty of where the Shema takes us is it leads us into this aspect of devotion to God. One of the great themes of Deuteronomy is devotion to the Lord, a heart devotion to the Lord. And it seems like from what you were writing here in your article, the Israelites lost that devotion for God and started uh, leaning away from what the law of God was teaching and moving more towards corruption, abuse, and things of that nature— of their own people. Is that true? Uh, that certainly seems to be the case. I mean, particularly in the Minor Prophets, and, and particularly even after the exile, which is really ironic because you would have thought that the 70 years in Babylon uh, would have cured them of that. But uh, social justice, you know, taking care of the widows, the orphans, uh, being loving and kind to one another, uh, those are big uh, ideas. And then alongside of that, and we see this in Micah, uh, the idea of true heart worship, as opposed to just going through the routine. You mentioned Micah's name. Can you speak a little bit about the significance of Micah's name as well? I was saying earlier on our program, it's a que- it's a rhetorical question. His name, you know, uh, could you speak a little bit about that? Well, when you look at the dictionary definition, uh, who is like the Lord, and, and then you ask the question, well, why would someone name a child, you know, who is like the Lord? And it just seems to be common sense. I don't know if we could ever prove this grammatically, but it just seems common sense that it is a rhetorical question, and the answer is no one. You know, no one is like the God of Israel. 
Micah does a great job of pointing us to the one who would restore Israel in, in Micah chapter 5. Can you speak a little, I mean, very detailed prophecy about where the Messiah would come from, this one who would restore Israel. Can you speak into that as well? Mm-hmm. Well, we're 700 years you know, B.C. at that point, and uh, here we have him in Micah 5 too identifying uh, Bethlehem, the city of David. Of course, many other scriptures talking about the uh, line of the Messiah being from the Davidic line. In uh, Bethlehem of Ephrata, uh, I believe Ephrata means fruitful, you know, Bethlehem, you know, house of bread. Uh, Judah prays, I mean, all those uh, neat little ideas floating around as the uh, home place of uh, Messiah. And then even some more obscure things within uh, Micah, it talks about the uh, Migdal Eder, the Tower of the Flock, and if you compare that back in uh, Genesis, that apparently was close to uh, Bethlehem. Uh, we had the privilege of uh, living in Jerusalem for a year while I studied there, and it just turned out that our apartment complex was about two miles south of the old city of Jerusalem, still within the modern city. Uh, but that actually put us about two and a half miles north of Bethlehem. Uh, Bethle- uh, Bethlehem is you know, only five miles from Jerusalem. And uh, you get a real feel for distances when you can be on your fifth-floor apartment and look out, <laughs> and just two and a half miles south is Bethlehem, the Migdal Eder area. Uh, two and a half miles north is the uh, old city of Jerusalem with the temple complex. And then to realize you know, how perfect not only was Jesus born where the king was supposed to be born, which would be the Micah 5.2 emphasis, but is also born in the area where sheep were born, specifically, you know, destined to die just five miles north, you know, up there in the uh, temple in Jerusalem. Yes. Uh, so that, that's really exciting to see both the uh, kingly and, and the sacrificial aspects of the Migdal Eder in the city of Bethlehem. Yeah, the Migdal Eder is a passage from uh, Micah chapter 4 that steps back one chapter from saying that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, but it almost kind of highlights a section within Bethlehem that he would be born in, which is mm-hmm. where the, the flocks were, like you said, that would have been used specifically for temple sacrifice. Is that right? That's my understanding, that uh, these were not just, you know, everyday farmers, but they probably would have even been Levitical individuals for the priestly purity, you know, watching those sheep to make sure that they were without blemish, that they were raised properly and would be then used uh, for the sacrificial system there in Jerusalem. You use this term to describe the Messiah and Micah that I think is a really unique term for Jesus. Uh, you, you use the term from the Hebrew, the breaker. Right. Uh, one who goes and breaks down obstacles and leads the way. Can you speak into that a little more? Because I think that's a really interesting word to describe Jesus that we often don't ever hear. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. In fact, last night I said, sat down, and I only mentioned it in the article, but I started doing a word study. It is unbelievable, all the derivations of that particular word. Uh, the noun form that you're referring to in Micah 2.13 is ha-poretz. It comes from the verb paretz, which means to break. Uh, but then it also has other cognates, uh, perez uh, with a V, perez with an S in English. There's actually three different Hebrew uh, letters that can be uh, used uh, in the different uh, cognate forms of it. But as you go throughout the Old Testament, it's used of uh, broken walls, like in Nehemiah, the walls were broken down from that word. 
uh, or talking about a population growing and exceeding the boundary, and they flow out from there. Uh, but then you get into Daniel with the famous handwriting on the wall, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Ufarsin. That word Ufarsin is that Paris. And um, eventually uh, we're told in Daniel that it means divided. You know, the kingdom's going to be divided. But it's also the root of the word Persia, which is the kingdom that's going to do the dividing. Oh, wow. Then we find out in the New Testament it's the root of Pharisees because they're you know, separatists. They divide from uh, other people. And then even something as uh, recent as Shimon Peres uh, with his stroke this week, uh, his last name would have gone back to that same uh, root. Wow. So it's just uh, fascinating. Even uh, the Parsha, the weekly readings from the Tanakh and the synagogue, that's also the same uh, root. So it's just amazing. And then in the New Testament, uh, Perez, uh, who is the twin uh, that is born from Tamar and Judah, uh, he is actually in the line of the Messiah in Matthew. Uh, in the King James, they uh, spell it Pharis, so you might not make that an immediate connection, but it's the same individual, the same word. So the concept, though, of the breaker is that Jesus would be the one to remove these obstacles of people getting in the way of receiving the blessing of what God had in store for them. Is that, is that the way that Micah presents it? I think so. I mean, you look at verse 13. The other interesting thing is there are six phrases in verse 13, and it actually forms what we call a chiasm, you know, where the first phrase is reinforced by the sixth one, right. and the second phrase is reinforced by the fifth one, and the third phrase is reinforced by the fourth one. So uh, let me just read those six phrases. The one who breaks open will come up before them. So there's uh, Ha-Puretz, you know, the breaker, the one that's going to break through. Well, the sixth line is, with the Lord at their lead. So now you have the emphasis on the deity of the breaker, which is exactly what we would think of the Messiah. And then the uh, second phrase, they will break out, speaking of uh, the people he's coming to rescue. And then the uh, fifth phrase says, their king will pass before them. So if you want to think in terms of a prophetic idea of... uh, you know, Isaiah 63, with Messiah coming uh, to uh, Basra, down by the Dead Sea, where the uh, Jewish people being persecuted by the Antichrist are, are being afflicted, and now he's going to you know, break out and pass before them. And then the uh, middle uh, phrase is, you know, pass through the gate and go out by it. So that speaks of the deliverance that will then come uh, because of what this uh, divine Messiah is doing. Okay, so we have been going through the uh, introduction article with Tom Davis, who's academic dean and professor at Word of Life Bible Institute. And uh, Tom, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about the book of Micah before we kind of dive in and look at section chapter by chapter in the magazine. Now listen, folks, uh, if you really want a great year or two years studying the Word of God, I want to encourage you to go to wordoflife.edu, and that is uh, the Word of Life Bible Institute website. Be sure to check that out. And also, if you are interested in the book of Micah and you're not a subscriber to Israel My Glory, we want to offer you a free trial. All you have to do is go to our website, foiradio.org. And there you can sign up for a year free subscription. So, Tom, thank you so much for being on the program, my friend. Thank you for taking time away as the students are coming back uh, to classes uh, this semester. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Chris. Great being with you.
I'd like to thank Dr. Tom Davis for being on our program today. If you would like to know more about the Word of Life Bible Institute, visit wordoflife.edu. That's wordoflife.edu. As we close, I'll remind you once more, if you've never subscribed to our bi-monthly magazine, I invite you to sign up for a free one-year trial subscription to Israel My Glory. Call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. You can write to us at FOI Radio PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Or simply visit us on the web at foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Gallione. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. And I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. If you would, prayerfully consider supporting the ministries of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. You can find a donate link on our website to learn more about the ways you can support the work we're doing. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.